0: This afternoon, we're finishing off the fifty-eight chapter of Isaiah. So we only have maybe about seven more chapters. What is Isaiah 66 chapters? And seven, eight more chapters. So we do on chapter... This is closing out chapter 58. It says, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thine pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, not finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Uh, This is about keeping the Sabbath, doing the Sabbath. And and it's not uh, trying to explain to you the difference between the Sabbath and the Lord's Day at trying to show you where the lord the sabbath is still the sabbath and all of these things i think we need to get past that just like yesterday i was selling i was talking about volunteer that uh when you're serving the lord this is something that you want to do or whatever and i was talking to my barber this morning about that is for people that didn't grow in the Sabbath. I I told you yesterday when I was preaching that I used to argue with my boss man was trying to get me to see the Sabbath or whatever when I was younger or whatever. But sometimes God doesn't open your eyes to those things or whatever. And we know that God is not the author of confusion. So this was to the people of God. Already, The people of God that knew about the Sabbath, that already know about the Sabbath. Just like when the epistles are to the church, to the people in the church. It's not trying to convert the people. It's telling the people that's converted what they should be doing, what their lives should be like. So it's different from talking to two different audiences there. That's why it was later on when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Later on he told them the disciples' prayer, which says, pray our Father, because it's no use telling the Our Father prayer to a group of unbelievers, uh, just to a general crowd in the church, if they're not God's children. They can't pray to the Father and receive those things like Jesus was talking about at that time. <clears throat> so forth with the Sabbath. If you can look at this, this comes on the heels of... Me speaking from the first part of the chapter about cry aloud and spare not and show my people their sins and transgressions. This is warning of people that already know about God and the word of God and what as to what they're doing wrong. And they were fasting and mourning and fasting and wondering why had the Lord not heard them acknowledge their fasting or whatever. They were doing it the wrong way. They had the wrong motivations. Their hearts wasn't right. So it's the same as with the Sabbath here. It says, Thou would turn away thine foot from the Sabbath from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. In other words, you know what the Sabbath is about, but you're keeping it wrongly. You're going about, you playing and watching television and doing all the things that pleases you. You're not going about doing my work. You're not... Resting on the Sabbath. It's not prevented rest. But you never see a, a detailed list of the can's and can't do's. The people say, well, can we do this on the Sabbath? Can we do that? Be led by the Spirit. And I'm not a legalist to tell you what you can do and what you can't do on the Sabbath. Hopefully I can get to this part about Jesus being full of the Spirit. But the more you grow in the Lord trying to please God, the more he reveal unto you. In the greater freedom and liberty you'll have in it. The Amplified Version says, if you turn back your foot from unnecessary travel, <clears throat> that they put that in, tal- in italics, that unnecessary travel, because what the Pharisees had did, they were being legalistic, that you couldn't walk so many steps on a Sabbath, that you couldn't do these things or whatever. What you couldn't do on the Sabbath. Whereas here when it's in italics, it says unnecessary travel. Because some travel, even though it may be a great length a great distance, it may be to do good. It may be for a good purpose or whatever. It may be necessary. Mm-hmm. It's necessary that a lot of different people work on the Sabbath day. Yes. There's a lot of things that's necessary may be done on the Sabbath Uh, It says, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day. If you call the Sabbath a spiritual delight in the holy day of the Lord honorable and honor it, not going your own way or engaging in your own pleasure of speaking your own idle words. In other words, a lot of talking or communicating stuff that's sitting around chewing the fat with the guys or the women or doing, you know, just doing ordinary things, but it should be centered around the Lord of things that's progressive or dedicated to to God. And a lot of people go to work through the week doing different things and say, well, man, you'll preach or something. You can get up and you can afford to read the Scriptures and study the Scriptures during the day. I can't, I don't have that kind of working into my schedule to read as much of the Bible and study it. As you do, when I get up at 5 or 6 o'clock or whatever, I'm going to work or whatever, or women that has children and get off of school or do whatever and say, well, they can't raise up an hour, hour and a half earlier to read the Bible or do all these things or whatever. Okay, so if, if you're not reading the Bible those days or whatever, two or three days, you, you it's several days that you're not reading the Bible. How about on the Sabbath day, that Sabbath day, in which you then took everything else of your pleasure, everything else that you did unscheduled off there that benefits you, that's your own pleasure and your own desires. If that's the Lord's day, the day that you commune with God or whatever, why don't you do that three or four hours of Bible study that you missed through the week on that Sabbath day? Since the Lord then set that aside as a day, Unto the Lord, a day of rest, a day of communing and fellowship and worship with God. He's made a point, but he didn't sanctify that day. He didn't set that day apart. So he's available to that day. So you may not do four or five hours, three or four hours a week studying at any other time or whatever, but you can't put a in on that Sabbath day because that's dedicated for that. That's a time of rest. That's a time. Of your time with the Lord or doing something or doing good. You understanding what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that I'm a fanatic and say, Oh, I'm a, you got to read it every day. You got to No, but since it's under grace now, it's not manner that you're storing up or whatever, but you can store this time up with the Lord and set apart this time as holy time under the Lord. Designated it that way. The living says, if you keep the Sabbath holy not having your own fun and business on that day but enjoying the Sabbath speaking of it with delight as the Lord's holy day you know and a lot of people dread and say oh that's a day what well, they think about what they can't do they why they they look they don't look forward to the Sabbath and not instead of being a day of delight because if Christ is our Sabbath, Every day is a Sabbath day in the Lord because he's our rest. He accomplishes everything. Everything is done in Christ. Yes. So in his presence, he is our Sabbath. And there are results of promises of keeping the Sabbath, of having faith in him by keeping that one day, by keeping the Sabbath. The promise is the very next verse. Isaiah fifty-eight fourteen says, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride up on the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thine father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Now, if you do this with my Sabbaths, and, and if you hollow it and keep away from your own pleasures, it says, then you will take pleasure in the Lord. You'll learn how to enjoy the word of God. You'll learn how to enjoy your time with The Lord, it's like um, man or woman not being with their kids or not being with one another, and they would rather be talking with the boys or rather doing something else, or they take pleasure in work or whatever. Now you are learning to enjoy your family. You're enjoying learning to enjoy that person where you didn't know quite how to enjoy yourself with it. Now you delight yourself in the Lord. It's a pleasure being in his presence. It's a pleasure studying his word. It causes an elevation. It's profitable unto you. It becomes profitable. You see a profit in that. You see that the communion with him is very profitable unto you. It says, and I will feed you with the promised heritage of Jacob your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The living says, then the Lord will be your delight, and I will see to it that you ride high and get your full share of the blessings I promised to Jacob. Your father has spoken this. The Lord, your father, has spoken it. So now, with that time, if you set aside a sacred time with him, this blessed time, he sanctified this Sabbath day, and if you spend that time communing with him and delighting yourself in him, He'll make it more fruitful and beneficial to you throughout your life. You'll start inheriting the promises because he'll establish you. He's the one to establish you. Another result of keeping the Sabbath of blessing is Isaiah 56 and 2 says, Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the Son of Man that lay hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it. And keep it his hand from doing evil. Blessed is that man. it's just like the man in proverb in Psalms 1 it says blessed is the man that set it not in the seat of the scorner. There's certain blessings in doing some things and I tell you the word of God is conditional. It's some things you do to receive blessings and some things you do to receive curses and I want all of my time to be profitable time in taking up endeavors that profits me that benefits me in some way or another. And the Lord is a reward of those that seek him. So the Amplified says blessed that is happy or fortunate is the man who does this and the man who says to the son of man take hold of it who keeps the Sabbath without profaning it and keeps his hands from doing any evil So God's going to teach you in a way that the law is weak at doing a blessing that comes to you that may put you in a position to where you don't have to work on jobs that may require you to work on the Sabbath. You may need to work extra money unless you're just looking for money and not realizing it. Some people work two or three jobs and still work on the Sabbath. That's because the money did become an idol, what they after, they're not necessarily having to work, but they like the benefits that they're getting from working. So they profane God's Sabbath unnecessarily. And that's why I say you have to be led by the Spirit in understanding and observing what to do and what not to do, because it's no way that you would delight yourself in something that's kind of grieving the spirit or quenching the spirit and if it's profaning or polluting the Sabbath the spirit, the spirit within you the human spirit that's seeking his spirit he's not going to allow that spirit to rejoice and be delightful because you're not delighting yourself in the Lord and sometimes you've grieved yourself or quenched in the spirit. Have you ever went to work or did something that you felt that you needed to do or wanted to do but then after you start doing it, it's not as fulfilling it, it's not as beneficial, it, it's not really what you, you say I wish I hadn't did this, I wish I hadn't got involved in this, uh, I should have stayed at home today. <laughs> but keeping the Sabbath was enjoined upon us under the law. The legalistic requirement of it and that's why I think that God chose Israel, and you remember he says, well let me come back to remember the Sabbath another time, but by them being his chosen people he enjoined that that was part of what he told them to do, but notice that it wasn't a commandment, it was in the Ten Commandments the the Fourth Commandment says remember the Sabbath it's it's not stated like the rest of the commandments do it just says remember the sabbath when they reissued the commandments in Exodus and Deuteronomy. It goes back to creation when the sabbath was enjoined to everybody about the sabbath and notice under under the law that's why when you start arguing with people from that's not Jewish that's people that saying well the sabbath was Judaism, uh, that was Judaizing us now. That was under Moses. That was under the law. That wasn't given to the Gentiles. And they are correcting that. They are correcting that. That's why I say it's voluntary that you start keeping the Sabbath by faith. That you, by faith, all of the law is actually is that we help establish the law of God by faith. So the Sabbath is something that we see a pleasure in keeping and doing. We see it's a benefit to our health. It's good to rest one day in seven. It's good emotionally because of stress and other factors. It reinvigorates you. It, It refreshes you. There's restorative principles that science, the CDC, and other people have found out that if you rest that one day a week, it would be better than working six, seven, eight days a week, or working a week on, two weeks on and two weeks off, however you want to do it. But that one day and seven is beneficial to you. So it was enjoying a, unto God's people, but they never kept the Sabbath. But then, after God showed that He was serious about the Sabbath, and that's why they, they went into sept- captivity, not because of just a weekly Sabbath. It was the sabbatical, the seven-year Sabbath. They were supposed to let the land rest every seven years. And then there was a ju- year of Jubilee or whatever. There were other statutes and judgments tied to the Sabbath. So when he say his Sabbaths, he's not just talking about see because there were different Sabbaths and that's where the people that um, celebrate Easter and all of this get tied up in the day of preparation, the week when Jesus was crucified, there was a high Sabbath in there. So the, that's why they get a one day resurrection, Good Friday, and then he rose on Easter Sunday or whatever that's what paralyzes that uh, uh, complicates it. Uh, they get tied up on it. But anyhow, the Sabbaths that were high Sabbaths that were different holy Sabbaths that God had given them, that's what Paul was talking about in the book of Ephesians or Colossians when he said about you observe days and Sabbaths and all of these other things, He was talking about those things, the handwriting of ordinances that was enjoined to the people. So in Exodus 20 and 8, he says, Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Remember the seventh day to keep it set apart, dedicated to God. Exodus 31 and 15 says, For six days work may be done, but the seventh is the Sabbath of complete rest, Sacred to the Lord, whoever does work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. That was under Judaism. But the law wasn't given to the Gentiles. But he was showing if they would have done what was in the law, it would have set them apart as a peculiar people. And notice where God says, not to just the Jews, but that the Sabbath was a sign. It's a sign between God and his people that that was a seal. Remember the seal I told you about in the book of Ezekiel where it says seal the servants of God in their forehead? It was something identifiable, something that you can see. You can see Sabbath day keepers. Sabbath day keepers stand out. From everybody else. Even people that's in Christianity or whatever. You tell them that you keep the Sabbath. A lot of people say. Oh no you believe in all this and the law and all this other stuff. And they say the Lord's day is the day of worship. And even though in Catholicism and some others. They recognize Saturday is the Sabbath. But they say Sunday is the Lord's day. The day of worship or whatever. But the Sabbath is identifying Seal just like the seal of the United States government that seal that you that identifies the government this is part of the seal, it's a sign between people that you are people of the God of creation. That seven that God created the world in six days and He rested on the seventh day that's His seal, that's His sign. Anybody that goes all the way back to creation. That's way before the time of Moses now. Leviticus 26 and 2 says, You must obey my Sabbath's laws of rest and reverence my tabernacle, for I am the Lord. Now what had happened was, as God's people, they didn't do what God had designed them for to do. So God decided that the law was just a schoolmaster and everything to bring you to a point in which he was bringing the world to, because he had always seen him turning to the Gentiles. Also, that the Gentiles were being was going to be saved, not just Israel. Abraham was a part of this because Abraham's son Isaac was of faith; that he was of the seed of faith, the promised seed from the beginning of the world. So, that's the line. That would be God's children. That would be the promised seed that was promised to the woman in the beginning. Legally, legalistically, all men would be, God would, all souls would belong to God, but those that have eternal life are part of the promised seed would be those of Isaac. That's why it says seed, not seeds. Jesus Christ is the promised seed. So Ishmael was born to Hagar, which was a sign of bondage of those that are under the law. The law signified bondage and ingenitive bondage. Well, the law was weak through the flesh, and all of us that are born of Adam are under the law of sin and death. It is sin that brings about death. Not the law. The law was given just to show you of your transgressions that you were transgression transgression transgressing God's laws or God's principles or precepts. It's just to show you that you were sinners. It to identify what you was doing, because his laws, his commandments is what's righteousness. All of his commandments are righteousness. And that's the character, the nature we should have. That's what Jesus Christ has to come into each individual. That He receives, He imputes His righteousness to them, just like He imputed it to Abraham because they believed. God, Abraham believed God. So if we believe God, we believe His Word, we believe His promises, we believe all of the commandments of God. He goes all the way in the Revelation. These are the ones that have the testimony of Jesus Christ and keep his commandments. Keep the commandments. These are commandment keepers. These are the ones that keep the word of God. Jesus Christ never dissolved. or say he was doing away with the the Sabbath. But he was showing us how uh, uh, the significance of what was going on here. So what the Jews did... It was desecrated. In other words, they profaned his Sabbath. They cast him to the side. So if you look at it in retrospect, they was, they, someone from that time said, if you was going to eventually do it away with the Sabbath anyhow, and the Gentiles or nobody else was going to have to keep the Sabbath, why would we be judged and killed or whatever because we didn't keep the Sabbath, that we was under a law that we couldn't keep? That's Peter's argument was to James at the Council of Jerusalem was that why would you put them under the a law that we couldn't keep the law? Why would you give them commandments and things to do that we couldn't keep ourselves? That's what the argument was with the Pharisees. You laden men with burdens and buying burdens on men that you wouldn't touch your, with your own fingers. You can't handle this. The only way that we can do any of this is in Christ Jesus. But I know that in Christ Jesus I can do all things, and through Christ Jesus, through faith, I have established the laws of God. Because the laws of God is what's going to bring the whole world under judgment. Yes. Okay. So by gathering manner. Uh, Exodus 16, 27, 28. Now on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long do your people refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? In other words, my laws. They went out to gather manna. They wasn't supposed to be gathering manna on that day. If manna is a type and shadow of the word of God, if Christ was the manna given in the wilderness, his word is like we pray for our daily bread. I was telling you that By the grace of God, we pray for our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And that we should meditate in his word day and night. We can meditate in his word day and night. But all of us may not read the word of God every day. Study the word of God. You remember I said stored manner. You couldn't store the Old Testament manner except by a divine miracle of the grace of God that... He designed it to it you could collect twice as much on the sixth day and it wouldn't spoil. But if any other day if you got more than you could eat, it would even spoil. Well, here with the word of God, he present a holy day, a day unto which if you've missed gathering the man, if you've missed the word of God on these other days, this day that's set apart sanctified, you can partake of that bread, that manner, you can study the word of God. It would become a delight. It would open up to you as much however many chapters, how much research and defining, it, because that's your time spent with God. He has the whole He has set that whole day apart for communion with you. So like I said that was a desecration of God's word and he was showing that it's serious just like tithes and offerings he showed it I don't know about in the Old Testament it was curses and things he talked about robbing God but he showed the sincerity of it in the New Testament where Ananias and Sapphira lied about their giving or whatever But God doesn't bind us under these things. The Sabbath would be just like the tithes and offerings. You see no things in the New Testament about the tithes and offerings just like the Sabbath or what you should do. Because according to Old Testament law, that was 33 and a third percent given in tithes. There were several different tithes in the Old Testament. If you want to go talk about being legalistic about tithes, there were different ways of handling the tide. But see, that's why I say the precepts, when he says statutes and precepts, these are things that we as children of God, that God gives us a standard, and through this standard, this is the way we should operate And live our lives. But Jesus Christ. In him there's grace and truth. Sometimes there's pity and mercy shown. There's pity and mercy shown. And I'll get to that if I can get to it. About Matthew the 12th chapter. When they were going through the fields. And his disciples. Was what they would call. uh, Threshing grain. Eating grain. Going through the fields And It's not that he had a flippant attitude About this It says that Matthew 12, 1 through eight. At that particular time Jesus went Through the grain fields on the Sabbath And his disciples was hungry And began to pick the heads of grain and eat them But when the Pharisees saw this They said to him uh, They said uh, to him Look your disciples are doing What is unlawful on the Sabbath He said to them, Have you not read in the Scriptures what David did when he was hungry, he and those who accompanied him? How he went into the house of God, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but the priest only. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the sanctity, of the sabbath and yet are innocent but i tell you that something greater than the temple is here and if you if you had only known what this statement means i desire compassion that is for those that are in distress those that needs pity those that are being oppressed i desire empathy in other words feelings for other people not a cold harsh law to say you did this and like they wanted to stone the woman caught in adultery, he was the face of the law. Jesus was the face of the law. Yes, yes. In other words, came as a man to show you what God's intentions was, and it's not an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth because he was the one that told you that I say you pray for your enemy, pray for those that despitefully use you. So all of the legalistic bearings and things aside, he says. He says, I desire compassion and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocents if you do that. He adds yet another example of an encounter here where he could have gotten around this, but he encountered the Pharisees, and the Pharisees, since it was by their disobeying the Sabbath, and I tell you that was from Nehemiah also, yeah. that's what caused them to go into captivity was disobeying the Sabbath, desecrating and polluting the Sabbath. So they had put a fence around the Sabbath, so, no, you can't break this law, you have to do this. And they had come up with some 1,500 different rules and regulations of things you couldn't do on the Sabbath. I've never told anyone in here what they can't do on the Sabbath. That's a spiritual thing. That's why I say be led by the Spirit of God. Yes. Now, according to the Pharisees, the disciples had reaped, they had threshed, and they had wintered grain, and they were guilty of preparing a meal. So, what was the disciples' motivation? They was traveling, they was hungry, and they had to prepare a meal. They had to eat. It was- you know, I was watching a movie where the woman was mad at the doctor because he started eating. He, he said was well, the the reason he ate because he was hungry. The Bible tells you if a man hungry, he's gonna eat. If a person is hungry, they go eat or whatever. And the disciples saying these things about it, but they were going eat. They were young and strong and probably could have fasted. They, they, they probably wasn't starving to death, as my, mom, my wife tells me sometimes. You ain't starving to death. you just been a few hours since you eat hadn't eaten. You just want to eat, you know. Yeah. Uh, but because it was the Sabbath, Jesus allowed this attention to be drawn toward this because he don't miss a teaching experience. He don't miss this opportunity to, to do this. So it was a day of mercy. Christ draws his justification for this from 1 Samuel, the 21st chapter, the 1st to the 6th verse. He reasons that if David, under unusual circumstances, could circumvent his hunger by eating bread consecrated for holy use. You know, the showbread, if David went in there, and you remember the episode in 1 Samuel where David ate of the showbread which was only for the priest to eat and those that was holy, then his disciples could also legitimately provide for their needs in unusual circumstances. That's why I say sometimes some things becomes necessary. It becomes necessary. The emphasis is on unusual. and In other words, this is not something that you do all the time. And that's why I say... Some people start working on the Sabbath or start doing things on the Sabbath, and now you're polluting it, you're profaning it, you're changing it to something that, for your advantage, that's your pleasure or something. This coming from the place where somebody said, oh, man, my ox didn't fell in the ditch, helped me get it out. or uh, This then came up, somebody needs help or something going on. Uh, this is not a part of a doctor or someone that has emergency or necessary work uh the overall lesson is that god does not intend his law to deprive but to ensure life it's not to say well okay it's the Sabbath you got to starve to death you can't cook on a Sabbath. you know you can't cook on the Sabbath you can't eat do these on things on the Sabbath it's not to deprive life that's why I say there are doctors there are emergency workers there are police and things that necessarily need to work on the sabbath it may be the difference between life and death if the need arise we should not feel conscious stricken to use the sabbath in a way not normally used he says because the son of man is lord of the sabbath the sabbath was Made for man, not man for the Sabbath yes. Don't you That's why Paul said, I'm afraid of you You didn't put one day over another day And that's what happened with Christianity today And with some people now You put more value On the temple than the Gold that's in the temple In other words you you Did I say that right? You put more value on the gold that's in the temple Than in the temple itself In other words, your priorities Are misplaced we sometimes devalue people, we oppress people, and that's what Jesus was telling the people about Corban or whatever. And by their traditions and things they didn't got their priorities mixed up and they weren't honoring their parent. They were saying that this was dedicated for the church. This is that de- but now you causing your parents to go without or not doing these things. You may void the commandments of God because he says honor thine parents. Christ admit David's actions was not normally, not normal, lawfully, and neither were the disciples, except for that it the circumstances call for a difference. In this case, they were blameless because the greater or the larger obligation overruled the letter of the law, and that's what I say. By the letter of the law, no man shall be saved. That's why grace and truth came in. That's why Jesus was talking about the woman that was caught in adultery and that he allowed her mercy, he allowed her to go free. He said her sins had been forgiven. But they say, well, no, the law says if she's caught in adultery, she needs to be stoned to death. But there was a different teaching he was after at that time. So in the case of the disciples going along eating, mercy was more important than of uh, that than anything else. Uh, Christ takes advantage of the situation to teach another connected lesson. He draws attention to the extent of the priest Sabbath day labors in the temple where the priest cooks that bread. They cook that bread and it's hot out the oven. 12 loaves of bread, but they hadn't violated the law because that's their job. The priest puts that bread out. And I don't know if you watch movies or older movies about the Jewish tradition of sacrifices and everything, but have you ever seen movies of the Jewish temple where they slaughtering the lambs and killing all the sacrifices, how much work is done around that altar with killing all of those animals and things on, on, the, on those days? Well, that's a lot of work to slaughter a, a, a cow, a bullock, that's a lot of work to slaughter a lamb. You can't just let him up there hide and all and get that slaughter. There's a lot of work that goes into this. So it says the priests work on Sabbaths and they are blameless. Why? Because they're doing works of God. He says, my father doeth yet work. So on the Sabbath, isn't it legal to do good? That's what he's saying in the principle isn't it right that we'll be able to do good, to save life? That's why he heal the woman and heal the paraplegic man on the Sabbath day because it shows the redemptive action of the Sabbath, just actually what the Sabbath was there for, not to be seen. They were fasting and praying to be seen. But they were oppressing the people. They were putting burdens on the people. They wasn't doing it the correct way. There are a lot of people go to church. There were a lot of people in church today. But it was for the wrong reasons. There's a lot of people gave in church today, but it was for the wrong reasons. It's not monetarily so that the woman put in more than the Pharisees. But it was the reasoning that they had put it in. They put it in to be seen. But he said, her two mice that she had cast in, she had put more than the rest because she had given out of what she had where they gave out of the abundance. You know, it's... I, I, I I'm, Well, let me not name a president of a different people. Agency. I'm picking on him. But see, it's different if a rich man come up. He give... $100,000. The church, everybody's going to look at that. That's a, a good amount of money. But suppose he made $100 million. He hadn't even gave a tenth of a tenth had he? You see what I'm saying? He gave out of his riches instead of according to his riches. That's why I was saying it's different from Islam and some other religions, the way they tied and the way they give it. But I I don't want to get into those things right now, whatever. We're saying the Sabbath here, that they fulfill a purpose that the Sabbath has to do. We're looking at what the Sabbath is or what's going on in the Sabbath here. Because of the disciples' involvement in God's work, circumstances dictated a profaning of the Sabbath. They had been with Jesus, and Jesus wasn't loafing around. And Many a time, Jesus went without, and they went to get food or do different things. But they were in the commission of doing work with the Lord. And he had told them one time when they brought up the situation, "Why don't your disciples fast?" And say, "Well, how can they fast when the bridegroom is here?" But it'll come a time when they will fast. So he wasn't about to get all over the disciples and and try to lay down the law about them reaping and eating grain or doing something that shouldn't be done. He stuck up, stuck stuck up for them and told them the greater principle that was involved, that mercy was, that they were showing mercy. And what is mercy? It is a helpful act where and when it is needed. So sometimes we come in and we show mercy to a person. Something that's undeserved, but something that's given out of compassion, of out of your heart that you've given to somebody, or did for somebody. It is an act of loving encouragement, comfort, pity or sympathy for the distress. It is a relieving of a burden. Sometimes you go on and you could help somebody get a car out, out, out of the middle of the street, but nowadays more people honking and boy, hey move that broke car! He's, oh, hold on, but you are pressing that person. You think they want the car to be broke in the middle of the street or whatever? Who would be of the greater person? The person that's stopping, help them push the car out of the street? You see, so like I said, What Christ wants us to do is to be more compassionate, to help relieve burdens, and we can do those things on the Sabbath day. And uh, I got in your notes that uh, what Jesus was talking about uh, in Matthew about the priest's work. It came from Leviticus 24, 5 through 9, where the priests prepare the bread and the sacrifices, but they're still not guilty of sin or whatever. Because it's something that's done in the works for the Lord So there are many things that you may be doing on the Sabbath day That's why I say well I can't delegate to y'all or tell y'all People will say well what can we do this on the Sabbath Can we do this on the Sabbath Well it's according to the circumstances It's according to the situation And as Brother Pastor Washington used to tell me Be led by the Spirit of the Lord Be led by the Spirit of the Lord. So that's what I'm trying to get you to understand. You need to get yourself to the point that you're being led by the Spirit of God. God, The Holy Spirit's the one that's going to guide and lead you into all truth. So the priests were blameless, and we can be blameless on the Sabbath day for doing certain things, even though as you... A relative of yours I'm not going to tell you But somebody say Well I see I thought you couldn't do this on the Sabbath I thought you couldn't do that But the reason you did it Was a cause of mercy It was to help someone or whatever But believe me The world is going to point their fingers at you When you do something Out of compassion and mercy And they're going to say Well your religion says you can't do this It's always somebody to tell me There's something I can't do on the Sabbath day it's just like when you say that you on a diet or something, somebody can say, Well, you can't eat that. You shouldn't eat that. They will become the regulator of what you do on your diet or not. Yeah. Healing on the Sabbath. What loving service was Jesus and his disciples performing on the Sabbath? That is healing. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Matthew twelve, nine through fourteen. In that chapter, Jesus is hitting on a lot of things in the twelfth chapter of Matthew, and here it is a paralytic man. He says, Leaving there, he went into that synagogue, and a man there was there whose hand was withered. And they asked him, asked Jesus, Is it lawful and permissible to heal on the Sabbath? They asked this so that they might accuse him and bring charges into court. But he said to them, What man is there among you who, if he has only one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable than man is than a sheep? So it is lawful and permissible to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Reach out your hand. And the man reached out his hand, and it restored it to normal, and it was healthy as the other hand. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, discussing how they can destroy him. And you remember I told you about motives. Their motives was just like with putting an adulterous woman there to trap him to have a reason to say he violated the law. They're the accusers of the brethren. It's just like when they was asking them about whose image was on the coin. In religion, the devil's always there laying snaps a trap at you. It's like the accusatory spouse that's always nagging or looking for a reason to say, You remember you did this and you remember you did that. It's always the accuser of the brother in there. They were looking to trap him. Jesus healing the man with a withered hand, it's also in Mark the third chapter one through verse one through six reveals a fundamental difference between Jesus and the Pharisees' approach to the Sabbath. So he came doing these things on the Sabbath not to show that he was doing away with the Sabbath, but they had, yesterday I told you, perspective. They wasn't looking at it from God's perspective. They couldn't perceive. They didn't have the discerning, and that's what I was telling you, We want to start seeing things the way God sees things. That's the only way we can live. As I was saying yesterday, the perspective, the perception, it was on the first page. It says we need a broken people, a person that's not seeing things the way they used to see things. You remember I told you, I used to see things and try to do for my family, but I found out, it was all wrong. It was sin. not that I wasn't trying to do good, but I became broken. When I was broken, and realized I had to start seeing things, uh, asking God to show me from His perspective. How did He see these things? To, for the Holy Ghost to become my eyes, because we're in a blind, we're in a world that we walk by sight, but we need to be blinded and broken till we could start. Walking by faith, trusting in God's word, believing in what he said, the whole counsel of God. Because we may not see the answer, we may not perceive, but if we stand, uh, we could be able to put where God sees. We'll see that all things work together for good for those that serve God. So giving or helping somebody else a hand or breaking something that seems as though it's going against the law... We may not understand it, but as Mary says, whatever he say, do do it. You be led by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God guides you and leads you in all truth. It gets you to start seeing things the way God sees it, because our thoughts are not like His thoughts, and our ways are not like His ways. So the Pharisees had not entered in the Son of God for a good reason or for worship. They was just they're trying to trap people. That's why I tell you. It's a lot of people that came in the church today, not for to worship God, but to be seen to do these for different motives, yes. for different reasons. And they was trying to trap him about being healed. The Jews were developing specific regulations and things to be legalistic about what you can and can't do instead of people coming to Christ, enjoying the liberty that's in Christ Jesus, but you have to have a balanced approach. It has to be by the Spirit. It'll be like my the guy that was cutting my hair today. He was saying that everything is all right. In other words, everybody's religion is all right. That's nothing wrong. And I said, you have to have a standard. There has to be a standard. There has to be... A precept here That's principalities and powers That we're going by That's bringing chaos into the world Jesus wasn't bringing chaos And says Oh you don't have to follow the the, the law You don't have to do, do Follow the, the Sabbath day No that's why they wanted to kill him Because they felt he was breaking the but they didn't understand, and that's what I say. God's word gives us understanding. He, it gives us God's perspective. We're not seeing as the world sees. We see as God sees. Now, this man was, was chronically ill. In other words, he had had to pause for years and years. He had been had this withered hand for a long time. Jesus could have said, well, look, come back tomorrow and I'll heal you you'll be all right till tomorrow because he had been putting up with it all that time, huh? Yes. But Jesus told him to stretch out the hand and heal it because he was after teaching a bigger principle. Why, if it's in your power to help this guy now why you don't help him now? Yes. You see what I'm saying? Yes. He was after breaking down their wall that they was raising up that to relieve a burden... You don't worry about the consequences of what people think about you and what people say. If you can do some random act of kindness or whatever, this, if you being led by the Spirit because that same act, if you're afraid, if, if, you throw, if, if you're not throwing caution to the wind, you'd be too introspective about that. You may want to do it, the time may have passed. The spirit may not be moving at that time. You have to obey God or when that door opens, that's why you have to be led by the spirit of God. It's just like sometimes you're out witnessing or doing something or something religious comes up and somebody says something and you're dumbfounded at that time. You're not used to operating on the Spirit being your back up, you're not studied up in God's word or whatever. A day or two later, or some other time later, you think, Why I didn't tell him this? Some other scripture, something come to mind which you should have said. Yes. But by exercise of use. doing battle and being led by the Spirit of God, and that's what I say, Jesus had the fullness of the measure of the Spirit given unto him. It was poured out on him. But we grow in grace. We grow in faith. We grow in the measure that Jesus Christ didn't have to grow in. It's just like he said, told his disciples, this kind go about by prayer and fasting. When it was some of the disciples that would grow to that point, because we see where later on after the Spirit came upon Peter and After the day of Pentecost And Peter said he must give himself to prayer And fasting That Peter was walking to where Even the shadow of Peter Falling on people would heal them You understand what I'm saying So Peter was growing They took note of Peter And they say This man has been with Jesus Why because his boldness had developed He was used to Overcoming in faith, he says he had prayed for Peter that his faith not fail. Now here, Peter's faith had failed, you know, to the point where he denied Jesus three times. But Jesus had already told him, he says, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you when thou comest round. In other words, you will stumble, but then when you get your footing. Strengthen your brethren. In other words, Peter fell those three times he denied he knew him. But then at that same Pharisaical council, when they told Peter, didn't we tell you strictly forbade you to preach in this man's name? And Peter says, men ought to obey God rather than man. It was that same Peter that was crucified upside down. Now he was worried about dying because he asked Jesus how the other disciples could die. But Peter had grew in the faith. So that's what I'm saying if you're afraid of your spouse, if you're afraid of the people at work, if you are shy and fearful person, even the most docile of people, if you walk walking in God, working in God's will. Loving man, honoring God, honoring God's word, he'll strengthen you to where that spirit of fear will leave out of you. You can cast that spirit out. You'll grow to the point. That's why when he in the in the hall of faith, that chapter of faith, it says a lot of people waxed eloquent. They waxed. They grew to a point. That's the same. If I I don't like teaching this too much to people because the scripture says Abraham staggered not at the promises of God but we see where Abraham thought he would die at the hands of a pagan king that didn't believe in God and he lied and said Sarah was his wife I mean his sister but that same Abraham grew in faith he got to the point that he woke up one morning. God had told him what to do. And he told him, say, y'all load up the mules and everything. We're going to go up to that mountain up there. He, I don't even know if he told Sarah he was leaving home. But he went and drew back the knife to kill his only son. To kill Isaac. And he knew that if he killed Isaac, according to God's word, that was the promise. But that's why he staggered not at unbelief. Because he believed God. That's the point. Not way back here 30 years ago, but way up here. Honoring the word of God, just like the Sabbath. Abraham knew God didn't require human sacrifice. Nowhere where God took human sacrifice. But God told him to slay Isaac. So I believe God. I'm being led by the Spirit. I have faith in God's word. If if God tell me to kill him... God's going to have to raise him up because God didn't promise that this heir, this Isaac, this the promised seed. God's going to have to raise him up. Now, if he tell me to kill him, it's on God. All of the I believe God. I believe that this is the promised son, and I believe if I put this dagger in him, that God could raise him up. It was all dependent upon God. When we start seeing that everything we do is dependent upon God. It's going to look like that we tempting faith attempting tempting God because we may lack understanding, but we have to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's when you start growing in faith. That's when you start praying to God and stop being a legalist. And so I say, I don't want to argue with anybody about the Sabbath, about Easter or Christmas or anything. A a servant of the Lord mustn't strive. But we know that the Sabbath is given by God. And he says, if we consider the Sabbath a delight, that man, I'm glad God gave us the Sabbath. I wish every day was the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, Jesus is my Sabbath. Now, if I could enter into that rest, because they promised Joshua rest, but Jesus spoke of another day. If I could enter into that rest, that rest is where Jesus does everything. He's done everything. So, let's talk about the Sabbath one more time Wednesday night, and then I'll preach on it Saturday. But we have to see, we have to start studying God's word and giving him that Sabbath, considering that a delight to develop a relationship with God. That one day, that day he set apart, he consecrated, and he made it holy, he says, this is the day I'll be with you. Don't let no man change that day or tell you about another day. You believe and trust God's word. Be led by the Spirit of God. Heavenly Father,